Well, welcome. Uh, my name is Eric. I am one of the pastors on staff here at First. Let me give an extra shout out to those of you in Urbana who are receiving this via video. T today, even though this is something that we do very occasionally, we are confident that this message will speak directly to you guys as well as we worship together as a church in multiple locations. As Aaron said, we are in week two of a teaching series called All In, where we're kind of talking about what we are all about as a church. You know, someone came up to me and said, Hey, Eric, tell me a little bit about first. What do you guys, what do you guys want to be known for? What's, what's kind of like the main, the main mission behind all that you guys do? I'd probably tell them something to this extent, that we as a church, that we are all in to help people surrender to Jesus. It's kind of our mission, kind of what we're, we're here to do, whether that's help people surrender in that first step of faith or in their continual surrender to follow Jesus. We are all in about that. And so over the course of this series, we're talking about what we call our engagement pathway, which is the four big priorities, the four big rocks that we put into place as a church to help our church continue to move forward as disciples. And we kind of say it this way, that we gather, grow, give, and go that we gather weekly to celebrate Jesus, we grow in our faith in community with others, we give generously of our time, talents, and treasures, and then we go and multiply as we be the church where we live, work, and play. And so today we're talking about that second G. We're talking about why we grow best in our faith in Christ-centered community with others. So I wanna start this morning by uh, asking you a question. How many of you guys would consider yourselves a green thumb? Like, you, you feel like that, you know, raise your hands high. It's okay, you guys over in Urbana too, raise your hands. It's okay, don't be shy. In fact, uh, if I'm honest with you, I'm kind of a little jealous, a little jealous of you guys. I feel like the Holy Spirit has kind of anointed you guys a little more than anyone else because you have this ability to take like a small seed and, and, and to cultivate it and to care for it and to nurture it and then it'll bloom and blossom into to a great big bush or plant or tree or, or maybe you've got a plant that's kind of dying and wilting and you have this ability to breathe life back into it, you know? And so I wouldn't really consider myself a green thumb, but more probably like a brown thumb, you know? That uh, if you ever have like a patch of grass or some flowers or something that you need killed off, I'm your guy, all right? Just give me a call. I'll come over. I'll take care of that. No problem. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, my wife and I, when we moved over to Urbana a couple years ago, the, the house we moved into the yard situation wasn't that good. You know, the grass wasn't very green. Uh, it wasn't very lush. It wasn't neatly manicured or anything like that. It's kind of that, you know, you're, you're pushing the lawnmower and every 10 steps you feel like you're rolling an ankle because it's just so lumpy everywhere. And so uh, Diane and I, start, we started having a conversation. I said, you know what, I, I think I can do this. Let's grow some grass. How hard can it really be, right? So we live in the Midwest. You drop a few pieces of corn seed. A couple months later, you got too much corn. You don't know what to do with it. How hard can growing grass be? I mean, it's pretty Pretty simple. And so I go to the store and I get the big bag of, of grass seed and I get one of those things. And so I'm going up and down my grass just doing the thing. I'm like, I'm feeling good about myself. We water it a little bit and like, all right, cool. I think I'm done. A few months go by. I think I made it worse. The grass is like, there's more patches. It's even, it's even more dead. And I'm just like, oh, you know, it was a bad year. You know, the farmer said it was a bad year, so it probably goes for my grass too. You know, it's just kind of bleeding over. So we'll try again next year. And so same thing this year. Grass planting season comes along. I get my bag and my thing, and I, so I'm going around. And, and then sure enough, our grass looks terrible again for the second straight year. And so we're, we're having a conversation over dinner. I said, Dad, I just don't know what's wrong with our grass. It's just, 
it's just terrible. I, I, I've tried everything that I can think of. I said, at our old house, our grass was, was awesome. It was green. It was like a nice, soft, green bed that you could lay in. Like, I don't know what the difference here. And she goes, well, I can tell you. She said, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I said, I can take it. I'm a man. She goes, well, remember there that we had, like, the professionals come in and do it? And, and, and we didn't do that here. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. You're right. You see, I want to have green grass but I can't do it myself. I don't know how. I don't know the technique. I'm not, not a professional when it comes to it. Frankly, I cannot do it alone. And so when it comes to growing in our faith, I think it kind of applies in the same way. I want you to keep this illustration in your mind that when it comes to growing something, you need the right places, you need the soil, the seeds, everything needs to come together. But what's the first step? The first step to having life in something you're trying to grow is having it in the best soil. So think about this for a moment. What are you doing with the seeds of your faith? Where are you planting the seeds of your faith? You see, there are lots of seeds in our lives that we choose where and how we plant them. There's the seeds of our time, the seeds of our decisions, the seeds of our relationships or values. But none of them are as important as the seeds of our faith. And so where are you planting the seeds of your faith on a regular basis? You see, we, we kind of use this term around here, this term community, quite a bit. And there's a term that kind of goes along with community, and it's the word camaraderie. Now, we want you to find both camaraderie and community here at our church. We want you to find friends. We want you to find relationships. We want you to find people that you you enjoy to hang out with. These are kind of the two pillars for us as humans. They're both valuable. They're both important. But at the same time, they both bring something a little different. Let's look at what camaraderie is all about. Camaraderie is actually defined uh, as this. It's the mutual friendship developed because of time spent together. Now, that means camaraderie for you could look like a bunch of different people in a bunch of different places. It could be your coworkers, it could be your neighbors, it could be the other parents that, that travel around with you, uh, with your kids' stuff. Maybe you like each other, maybe you don't. Maybe you tolerate one another, but that's as far as it gets. Camaraderie is kind of that relationship when you sit next to Tom at a meeting and you say, Tom, how's life, man? How's it going? And Tom says, things are good. Things are good. What about you? Yeah, things are good. Yeah, yeah, life's, life's it's good. So what are you doing for Labor Day? <laughs> you know, that's what camaraderie is. It's not very deep. And when it comes to camaraderie, would those people actually know the real you? When it gets down to those, those basic friendships, the people that you spend time with on a regular basis that's led to a friendship, would they know the real you? Or do they know the work you, the fake you, the mom you, the dad you, the classmate you, the student you? Do they know the real you? Do they know the struggles that you're going through? Do they know the hurts? Do they, they might know a little bit about where you come from, but do they know all of the details about your life story that's molded and shaped you into who you are today? See, I would venture to guess that those of us in, in our relationships of camaraderie, they don't really know the real us, what scares us, what stresses us out, things that make us anxious, the things that keep us up at night. 
That's camaraderie. It's a good thing. We need it. But there's something deeper and further beyond camaraderie, and that's what we call community. Community is this. Community is sharing a similar identity. It's literally a common unity. And so for us here at first, that similar identity is that we belong to Jesus Christ, that we are his because of his life, his death, his resurrection, because of the grace that he's extended to us, that good news, that gospel message. You see, when we talk about community, we don't mean the local community out, out in our cities and our towns. We're talking about the oneness that we share, that the people that we want to be relationally connected with intentionally, the people that we can support one another in our mission to follow Jesus. And so while we want both camaraderie and community, I think only one of these actually produces growth in our faith. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts to show you what I mean this morning. The book of Acts chapter 4. As you're turning there, a little bit of context about what's happening in the book of Acts. Acts is actually the fifth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's a continuation of the gospel of Luke. The book of Acts is kind of like a textbook recounting the history of the early church. You see, it's this point that Jesus has lived, he died on the cross willingly to, to pay the price for our sin, to handle the wrath of God. He went to the grave, he rose three days later, showing power over sin and death, and before he ascended back to heaven, he gave the great commission to his closest friends, the apostles. He said, go make disciples of all nations, and then boom, Jesus ascended back into heaven. And so this is the story. The book of Acts kind of recounts of how Jesus' closest friends, the apostles at this point, are going from city to city, planting and starting churches. And this incredible movement is breaking out. You've got thousands upon thousands of people hearing the message of, of Jesus for the first time, giving their life. And specifically, though, the people who arrested Jesus, the chief priest, the Sanhedrin, they don't really like that this momentum thing called the way at the time is getting all this steam. And so they're trying to slow it down. And so they actually grab Peter and John because they had healed a lame man. And people came, well, how did you, do, how did you heal him? Well, it's because of the name of Jesus. We did do it. Jesus did it through us. They arrested them, but then they couldn't really hold anything against them to try them, and this is where the story begins to pick up again. In Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23, it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. We're going to pause there really quickly. I love that phrase, their own Don't we all want to have our own people in life? Don't we want to have the people that mean something to us? The people that are always in our corner, they've got our backs. See, this isn't necessarily a case to be exclusive. Rather, it's an invitation to lean in to community of faith. Could you imagine that Peter and John were your, were your closest friends and they got arrested because they had healed someone uh, from, from being paralyzed or lame. And they came back and they're recounting this story. Welcome back, guys. Tell, what, what, what happened? What happened? What, you know, what, what was going on? Well, you know, we healed them. They, 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 they threw the cuffs on us and they took us away. But you know what? We weren't scared because the Holy Spirit was with us. But, you know, we got a little scared because they were kind of crazy over there. But you know what? You guys were praying for us and you were thinking about us. And we knew that if, when we were going to get back, this was just going to be an amazing story. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. We're so glad that you're back. So what 
is next for us? What is next? Now that you're back, where do we go from here? And this is how it continues in verse 24. So when they heard this, this is the whole crowd, their own people, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. They recount Psalm 2 here. It says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Peter and John, they go back to their own people. And what we see unfold is something a little bit further and deeper than camaraderie, isn't it? It's more than just a friendship and a few things they have in common. The real them begins to show. And their community, the things that they rallied around, there's kind of threefold things that happened. They praise God together by remembering what he's done. They turn to the Psalms. They center their community around Scripture. And then they petition God for one another. Now, they start by praising God. God, you are sovereign. You are great. You are magnificent. You are the creator, sustainer. I think for us as believers, one of the most powerful things that we can do with one another is remember the goodness of God. That when we gather, it's not mournful. Rather, it's a celebration to remind one another of how good God has been to each and every one of us. Let's praise God that the, 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 the God who created the universe cares for us individually. Let's praise God for that. And then they, then they turn to the scriptures. They turn to the Psalms. They open the word of God. There are other passages throughout Acts and the rest of the scriptures that teach us that whenever the church is met together, it was always centered around the word of God. It must never be neglected in our community. And then they get to the part that I think kind of scares us a little bit. And that's the petition. I don't know if you picked up on it, but they went to God on behalf of one another. But what they asked for, I think, might rub us the wrong way. You see, they said, in verse 29, consider their threats, God. Consider the threats of the chief priests. Now give us more boldness. <laughs> you know what they didn't pray or ask for? They didn't, they didn't ask for safety. They didn't ask for comfort. They didn't necessarily ask for deliverance. 
It's not that it's bad to, to pray for safety or comfort or deliverance in certain situations, but their prayer was, God, their threats, they're coming, so give us more boldness. Can we all just agree that praying for more boldness in the face of persecution might not be the top of our prayer list? You see, a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to welcome a couple of our missionaries that we support here at first. We've been supporting them for, for I think, almost 10 years now. Uh, their names are Abraham and Kamala. Here's actually a picture of Abraham and Kamala. Um, some of you, if you've been around first for some time, you might recognize them. Um, and one of the cool things about FIRST is when you give generously to FIRST, when you give with your tithes and offerings, you're not just supporting local ministry, you're supporting global ministry and people like Abraham and Kamala. They actually uh, they serve in the nation of Nepal, which is a Hindu nation. It's an anti-Christian nation where just professing the name of Jesus puts you on a blacklist. And these two have done some of the most amazing and outstanding work to love people beyond reason that I've ever heard. They've taken in over 60 homeless boys and created a family in which they provide food, shelter, clothing, and jobs. They've created just regular shelters for people to get food and supplies and blankets. They've had medical trips to provide just basic medical necessities. But most importantly, and as they would tell you, the the foundational thing that they are doing is creating disciples, training them up, sending them out, and then those people go out and start churches. And Abraham, he was telling us a story about one of the disciples and pastors that that he had recently raised up who was actually in prison because he was the pastor of this church. And I was just kind of of curious. I just said, Abraham, can you tell me more? Can you just tell me a little bit more about about how your community of faith responds when, when one of your own gets taken under arrest because of their faith? You know, I'm thinking, you know, oh, we write some letters, you know, we, we pray from from far. And he says, whenever we receive word, don't miss this. He says, we drop whatever we're doing. Sometimes they have to walk seven, eight, ten miles through the hills and mountains of Nepal to go visit one of these friends of theirs. So we drop whatever we are doing to go show support. And then when we get there, we praise God for their boldness that led them to this point. And then we do whatever we can to get them out. I'm like, okay, Google, that makes sense. So that they can continue to preach the gospel. That type of community is astounding. They drop whatever they're doing. They walk miles upon miles to visit their friends, their their co-laborers in Christ, so that they can continue to be bold for the gospel. When I think about Abraham and Kamala, and I think about Peter and John and the rest of the apostles, they didn't back down from the mission of God because of the community they had behind them. See, a lot of us, don't we we praise God? Don't we open scripture together? Don't we petition with one another or for one another? But there's a difference sometimes. You see, it wasn't that they prayed God, it was why they prayed to God. It wasn't that they, they, they opened up the word of God, it was why they opened up the word of God. It wasn't that they remembered all that God had done, it was what they were remembering God doing. It wasn't that they petitioned God on behalf of one another, it was what they petitioned God for. Now, I don't know about you, But I know for me, the one thing that I need, 
Not the thing that I want or the thing that I like or the thing that makes me feel good. The thing that I need most for the growth of my faith is people who will keep the mission of God at the forefront of my mind and in my life. Dare I say, I need people who will be more of a community beyond just a camaraderie for me. I say we all like camaraderie, and there's nothing wrong with it. And camaraderie is good, and it's important. But it's kind of soft. It's kind of cushy. It's easy, isn't it? It doesn't require much from you. It doesn't require you to be open or authentic. Community, on the other hand, it takes time. It takes intentionality. It means being real with other people. And get this, it means supporting the other people who are being real with you. See, if we want to grow in our faith, we need one another in community, not just camaraderie. This is something that's existed for thousands upon thousands of years. Even the ancient proverb, he put it this way. Uh, Solomon says in in uh, chapter 27, verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You ever see iron sharpen iron? It causes heat. It causes friction, right? We'd all say friction isn't fun. Causing heat isn't necessarily the best. It's hard. It isn't, it isn't necessarily easy. It doesn't come smoothly or naturally. But at the end, as soon as the iron is done rubbing against the other, both are better than they were before. And that's what community is for us. So going back to that illustration at the beginning, the planting of your seeds of faith, If you want to grow, you have to place yourself in community. You have to. You have to have those people who are relationally there for you, but they're intentional about those relationships, that you support one another in the highs and the lows, but you do it all through the lens of the mission of God. If you want to grow, you have to plant yourself in community. But here's the thing. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. We actually come up with with reasons and and, and justifications. You know, I'm going to share a couple things, and and, and I have done this a lot in my life, of come up with excuses or reasons why I don't need community in my life. I'm good with the camaraderie of the church. I'm good with people uh, kind of knowing my face and who I am. But actually taking the step into community, well, well I've, I've, I've come up with a couple of things that, you know, the reason why that might be for everyone else but not me. And so I want to share a couple uh, of, of myths that we've used about how we grow or why we don't need to be in community as we seek to grow in our faith. We've got this little buddy here. He's a cute one, isn't he? <laughs> This is the uh, I-don't-know-how plant. This is the plant that has sprouted up. Maybe they've making a decision of their faith, and they've just kind of hung around, and then they say, well, I don't really know how to grow. Nobody's invited me in. Nobody's taken me under their wing, which to some degree is probably valid. But then oftentimes we come to realize that these people, they also maybe didn't put themselves out there. They never fill out a connect card. They never attended a group link. And so they go, I don't really know how, which can sometimes be code for I didn't really take it upon myself to grow. This is the I don't know how group. Some of us sometimes, I know I've been here before, this is the I've arrived plant. 
This is the plant that at one point, clearly it was full of life and it was, had flowers and it was blossoming, but then they got to a point and said, well, I myself, the good Christian man that I am, I have arrived. I don't need anyone else. I've learned that. I've heard that sermon. I've served there before. I've given to that ministry. I've, I've given up my time, my talent, my treasure. And in those ways, I have arrived. It's time for someone else to do the work. And this one's heartbreaking because you can see that these people, they clearly were full of life at one point, but now their roots have begun to die. And so is the rest of their faith. It's just not what it quite once was. I've arrived. There's the, uh, the I would if I could plant. Now, this is the plant where, where you see some growth and you see some stuff happening, but then it's surrounded and covered by a bunch of weeds, that it's not as pretty as it could be. You see, aren't weeds the things in our life that kind of just sneak up on us? The things that unintentionally creep into our gardens, into our space, that unless we are intentional about keeping them out, they'll take over. How many of us, I know I've been here, said, well, I would if I could, but... <laughs> You know, life's just kind of busy. We got a lot going on at work, and I just, uh, you know, I just, I'll, I'll try to see if, if I can work it to make it to group. Maybe, maybe next month, or, or maybe I'll try next semester. You know, we've got like 12 tournaments in the next two weeks. We're not even going to be able to go to all of them, but we signed up for all of them. So I w- what if I could? But we, we've, got, we've, we've got to do that. You know, we, we, we got that group on for that, 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 that theme park that's open 365 days, but we got to go today. Well, I've got all that homework, you know that. That homework ain't going to do itself. And, and this is kind of my only time that I've really set aside to do it. It's Labor Day weekend. Meyer, they're having a three-for-one sale on chicken. I want to be first in line. You know, I, go, I just want to make sure. I would if I could. But there's the, uh, the Lone Ranger plant. If I can be honest for a second, this is the one I struggle with the most. It's grown up, it's blossomed, but you know what it's missing? It's missing the care of the other plants. When the winds come, when the harsh weather comes, it's all by itself. I've got this, I've got it by myself, I'm a lone ranger plant, I'm going to show you how much I can grow all by myself, I don't need anyone else what I've come to realize in my life when I say I don't need anyone else, that's actually code for I don't want anyone else. I don't want to have to be that open. I don't want to have to be that vulnerable. I'll listen to my podcast. I'll catch up later on Facebook. I'll, I'll let them know my face, but never my heart. It's the Lone Ranger plant. There is the, uh, the I'm just not being fed plant. <laughs> This is the plant that, that starts to grow. Well then, but I'm just, I'm just not being fed. And so their, their, their flowers, it begins to die off early. It never gets to the point of when it's big and booming and blossoming. This is kind of like the, the people who are perpetual church hoppers. They go to one church for six months and then they change the music. And I don't really like that. I like everything else, but I don't like that. So I'm going to go find me a new church. And I like that church, but then the old pastor retired and they brought in a new pastor. And you know what? I haven't given them a shot, but I just don't really like them as much. So I'm going to go find me a new church. I'm just not being fed. Well, I liked it when, when our church did that one ministry or that one class, but we're not doing it anymore. I'm just not being fed, so I'm going to go somewhere else. 
And what that allows you to do, it allows you to grow up a little bit, but as soon as you uproot and, and, and get rid of your roots to be planted somewhere else, you have to start over again. And then there's this buddy. Literally, get it, bud, buddy? Okay, cool, that was just me. This is the I haven't been feeling it crowd. You ever been there? Well, you know what? I just, I just haven't really been feeling church lately. I'm going to wait till the, till the next series. I'm going to wait till they do one of those series that actually, you know, just, just gives me in the feels. The music, I just haven't really been jiving, feeling the music too much lately. Well, my group, you know, they're, they're kind of getting a little too serious for me, or, or they're not getting serious enough, so I just haven't been feeling. I always just want to, you know, feel my faith. I just want to feel God whenever I decide to do something. And this is like the plant that intentionally avoids the sunshine. It'll start to grow up, but it will never bloom because the sun gets hot. It's like a discipline that it needs to learn and grow in. And so if we just go around saying, I just haven't been feeling it, it's really just like saying, you know, that whole discipline aspect of it, it's not for me. I don't know if any of these represent your walk with community, I know I have probably said and used each and every one of these at some point in my life when it comes to rejecting community. But this is what Jesus has designed us to be. This is what he has led us to become. Deep roots, strong bones, We will blossom, we will grow, we will become exponentially bigger than we could ever imagine if we plant ourselves in the community that God has designed. And so this morning, I want to ask you that question one more time. Where are you planting the seeds of your faith? Where are you planting the seeds of your faith? Because the one thing that all of these have in common, the soil isn't ideal. The one soil that helps us to surrender to Jesus is the soil of community. Jesus' desire is for us to grow in our faith, but we are designed to grow with others. Community, it allows you to be cared for in your time of need and to care for others in their time of need. Community is the place where you don't answer the question of, how you doing, man, with a good you? Rather, it's the, man, this week was just terrible. Can we talk about it? Oh, this week was awesome. Let me share with what happened. Could you just celebrate with me? Community puts people in our lives who are there to celebrate with us to cry with us, to encourage us, yes, even to keep us accountable and to convict us, but all for the sake of our growth. Community says, I will be with you. I will be for you. I will love you like Jesus did as best as I can and as much as I can. Where are you planting the seeds of your faith? So we move to a time of response this morning. With that question in mind, I know one of the things that, that some of you might be asking yourself is, okay, okay, well, what does that look like here at first? What does it look like to, to be involved in, in relationships with other people? 
Those relationships that are intentional, that support me, that help me further the mission of God in my life and in the life of the world. Well, we call that our groups. It's one of the, 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 the best, most perfect spots to find that people. We are aware that this is a very big church. It's extremely easy for people to come in, take a seat, sit down, stand, clap, sing if they choose, and then when service is over, to go out, and then who knows, if they come back next week, maybe they do, but it's very easy to be anonymous. We want you to know, first and foremost, that, that if you're just checking things out, you're trying to decide if this whole Jesus, God, faith, church thing is for you, that we are okay with that. But at some point, if you feel the tug in your heart, man, I just want to go further. I want to know more about Jesus. I want people in my corner. I want to have my own people. You've got to take a step. You gotta surrender something in your life to plant yourself in community. It's interesting, our, our, our groups, we just call them groups, but they actually used to be called community groups because that was the heart behind them all. And the great news is there's a group that probably fits exactly, potentially, what you might be looking for. We have groups that meet almost every day of the week. We have groups that meet in the mornings, groups that meet in the evenings, groups that meet all throughout this county, groups full of couples, groups full of single people, groups for those who are grieving, groups for men, groups for women. We have groups and for places for you to find that community of people who hopefully, over time, you can say, those are my own people. The one thing that I have become so aware of the last couple years in my life as we moved to the Champaign-Urbana area is how much I need other people. How much I need other people. Even as a pastor, even as someone who has the ability to preach and I've got the degrees and I can study the Bible, all that type of stuff, I need people in my corner. I need people who are my friends. I need people who can put their arm around me when my week was great, when my week was terrible. But I also need people who are going to push me forward as I seek to follow Jesus and those same people that will allow me to do that for them. I've had to plant myself in community and I've never regretted it one moment of my life. So if you're looking for a community here at this church. Next week, we have this thing called Group Link. And Group Link is an opportunity for you to, to gather with a bunch of other people who are looking for the same exact thing. They're looking for community in the life of first. It's happening next week, Wednesday, here, Champaign, in the Oasis. It's happening next week, Thursday, in Urbana. You can attend either one of them. We've got group leaders who attend both locations. We've got groups who are met with people who attend both locations. Our hope is that you just choose to plant yourself in community here in the life of first. Find those people you can be relationally with, intentional about your faith, who can support you in your life, all for the sake of the mission of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we lift up your name in praise because you are good. 
because your son Jesus is the one who unites us together. His body, his blood, shed for us through faith alone, and his work makes us right with you. We are thankful for that good news. We are thankful for that gospel that saves us, that sustains us, and continues us forward in this life of following you. May this be a church where people can find camaraderie, where they can find friends, where they can find people that they can have hobbies with and hang out with and share meals with, but can they also find that community to help them grow in their faith. It's your name that we pray, amen. One of the things that we do every single week here as we celebrate Jesus is remembering what he has done for us. And we do that by partaking in what we call communion, a common union. There are stations all throughout this auditorium this morning. Whenever you're ready, whenever you feel led, as the band leads us in a few more songs, just get up out of your chair, out of your row, and move to one of these tables. And as you move to one of these tables, if you have said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's a little cracker and a little juice that remind us why we are unified together not because of our blood, not because of our work, not because of anything that we have done, but because of Jesus. And so may we celebrate this morning by partaking in communion together. During this time of response, you can continue to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. Perhaps you want to visit one of the give and respond boxes across the room. You can drop in that connect card or your tithes and offerings, or if you haven't had a chance, you can set up the give app to do that as well. Also, you can come forward and kneel at one of these prayer benches. Maybe you need to praise God this morning and just remember the things that he's done in your life. Maybe there's something you want to just celebrate and you want to give it up to him. You want to raise your hands. You want to shout. You want to amen everything that he has been doing. Maybe you want to come forward and you just want to remember some scripture. You want to chew on something that he's been just kind of throwing around in your mind. Or maybe... You want to come forward to petition, to petition God for something in your life or in the life of others. Would you stand with me as we continue to worship and celebrate the good news of Jesus?